Are you tired of listening to ads and just want the story? With the Tales of the Forgotten membership, you'll get ad-free episodes of all our shows, like this one, and you'll be supporting the creators and stories that you love. Go to talesoftheforgotten.com backslash membership. But hey, we like to spoil you. So a Tales of the Forgotten membership also offers bonus content like character audio files, artwork, exclusive shows, first looks at scripts, and a lot more. So go to talesoftheforgotten.com backslash membership or just click the link in the description. The following episode contains adult content, violence, and sex. Listener discretion is advised. Legacy, a Star Wars audio drama, created and produced by Crystal Storm. Episode 10. Chapter 32, A Game of Chess. Read. <sighs> that took the edge off. I patted Corso's cheek. Untangling my legs from around him, I pushed him away so that I could adjust my clothing. Happy to oblige, Captain. He was cute. And fun in bed, but that was about it for Corso Riggs and me. He really tried to get me to return his little crush, but he was just too nice of a guy for my tastes. That, and the fact that I was already in love with a pirate. I opened the door to his quarters, stepping into the corridor when Gus bumped right into me, announcing loudly that Veltana was in trouble. Frack! For the last few years, Corso had been on my ship. I had kept lots of things from him. It hadn't been hard. We were plenty busy and sending him on cargo runs that unwittingly delivered supplies to the factory, keeping him gone for weeks at a time and largely unaware of my chosen alliances. He had too narrow a view to have approved. Today, it would seem the cat was out of the bag. I gave Gus a look and just shook my head at his big mouth. Gus glanced over my shoulder saw Corso, and at least had the sense to look sheepish. Gus tried to backtrack, but it was way too late. I told him to stop blabbering and to just give me the update. I could feel Corso's eyes boring into my back as I belted my gun belt around my waist. Gus pulled the data recorder out of his pocket and hit the play button. I frowned. Tell Akavi and Baldar to get prepped and ready to go. I stepped past Gus and began jogging towards my cockpit. I knew Corso was behind me. Cap, what aren't you telling me? Oh, lots of stuff. I got in my chair and brought up the nav screen. I had just put the ship into hyperdrive when he actually grabbed my arm and stared at me intensely. Are you allied with the Empire? <sighs> Frack, no. My sister is a Sith, though. Well, one of them. The other two are stupid Republic lovers. Corso's brow creased. I caught his expression and restrained the urge to roll my eye. I probably should have been a little more sympathetic. I just crushed his butterfly and all, but I tried to tell him from day one I wasn't the woman he thought he saw. He'd continued to believe otherwise, and now he was all but hurt. The pedestal he put me on wasn't so shiny. Men. Before he could say anything to that, Akavi poked her head through the doorway. Do we go to battle, Captain? Bet your Mandalorian ass. 
Makithia sent her lackeys after Veltana. We're on to the rescue. Hmm. My honor dictates I cannot allow Lieutenant Jorgen to survive if we battle again. I know. No holding back this time. We need to slow Kithia up a step. Killing Arik should do the trick. I can't let you do that, Captain. You can't let me do what? Kill Arik Jorgen. I know him. The lieutenant saved my life once. You can't raise a hand against one of the Republic's best troopers. Just wouldn't be right. Oh, I can't? No, Captain. We have to find another way to... It's all right, Corso. I understand. You're sweet. And I'm really sorry for this. What, Captain? He didn't finish because I had drawn my blaster, shoved the barrel into his chest, and pulled the trigger. There was a shocked look of pain on his face for a second before he dropped. I shrugged and shoved my blaster back into its holster. What a waste. I had the freedom to move between Republic and Empire space with impunity. That made it easy for me to be one more set of eyes and ears for my sister. Sometimes, executioner. I'd always taken it upon myself to make sure I knew where her children were at all times. Veltana's last location was on Nar Shaddaa. I called one of my contacts in the spaceport once we dropped out of hyperspace and confirmed two things. One, Tana's starship was still there. Two, that Arik Jorgen had been seen. Nar Shaddaa was too big for me to go searching, and I knew we were short on time. While Gus shoved Corso in his quarters until I got back and could give him a proper burial, he deserved that, at least. I holoconned my sister. What's wrong? Update later. Where's Mako? Sitting next to me. Tell her I need her to hack into the Empire Intelligence Agency and find the orders for your daughter on Nar Shaddaa. Most recent ones. A moment. Kithia sent Jorgen after her. She is persistent. That's one word for it. Viltana's not strong enough to handle Jorgen alone. I know. I know. I'm on the way. Call me back when you get to the location. I'm going to make sure Art can't leave anytime soon. I will. Good hunting. Always is. I closed my holocom and walked straight to the customs office. The man behind the desk was short, pudgy, loved cheating on his wife, and groping me. Ten minutes was a small price to pay for having him in my pocket. It didn't take me long to convince my guy to hold up Arik if Makithia's errand boy came back before I got here. I even leaned over and kissed his shiny forehead. He drew himself up all important like and I held back my smirk as I returned to Akavi and Baldar. I nodded and both fell into step behind me. My telecom beeped again. I answered it and Mako appeared. I know where she is. This file also got accessed by someone else a few hours ago. Someone not in the imp network. Left a pretty messy trail. Sounds like my sister. Give me the coordinates, Mako. We're on the way. Chapter 33. And never goes as planned. Nar Shaddaa, just a car sector. My cybernetic eye zoomed in on Arik Jorgen. The less visible implant in my ear picked up his conversation easily, even from the distance. He had Veltana handcuffed next to him. 
that big, stupid droid M14X was standing guard. Anything could happen on the streets of Narshada. Jacking my niece in the middle of it wouldn't be a problem. I whistled low to signal Baldor and let go of the tower. Free-falling was entirely too much fun, especially when you had a Wookiee to catch you. I climbed off Baldor and looked at Akavi. Your friend is here. Deal with him. Baldor, take care of the droid. I'll get my niece. And Baldor, don't kill the droid, but frack it up a little bit. Akavi, do what you gotta do with Jorgen. Akavi looked all too battle-ready. Both she and Baldar disappeared, taking up the position at the corner Jorgen would have to come around unless he wanted to fight through a bunch of Jestacars. Just as I suspected, Jorgen walked right past my hiding spot. I heard the stun grenade go off, and I knew Baldar had engaged the droid. A grunt and a Cathar-like growl sounded out a second later, which meant Akavi was kicking the shit out of Jorgen. Veltana immediately rolled for cover, right where I was waiting. She startled, then sighed in relief. I got her cuffs unlocked and gave her one of my blasters. Ready to go? Perfect timing, huh? Veltana didn't finish her sentence because I shoved her to the ground and pointed my blaster over her shoulder, yanking on the trigger. I wasn't surprised when Zarin batted my blaster fire away with her lightsaber, but I was surprised to see her. That changed the plan a little bit. Akavi, change of plans. Move your Mandalorian ass. I shot my hand out and forced knocked Zarin back five feet. If Zarin wanted to go one-on-one with me, we could make a time of it. But my objective was to get Veltana out of here. With Zarin in play, who knew who else she brought? And if Makithia showed up, things would get a lot more hairy. You follow the path Akavi clears. Don't even take a shot at Zarin. You'll lose. Go, I said to Veltana and gave her a shove. I came out of my hiding spot and saw Baldar was giving the droid a merry chase. Jorgen was sprawled on the street, out of the count. I didn't trust that would be long. Jedi problem first, though. I called out, pointing my blaster in Zarin's direction. <laughs> nice to see you, sis. You as well, Reed. Always so polite. The goody two-shoes Jedi. She forced leave, and I wasn't surprised when not one of my blaster fires caught her. She swung a sharp kick at me, and I caught her leg, anchoring it to my side. I brought my blaster hand down, ready to give her knee a good crack, but the fracking bitch vaulted up, bringing her opposite foot into my chin. The sharp stack knocked my head back, forced me to let go, and I hit the ground a lot less gracefully than she did i just come up to my knee when she chucked her lightsaber at me, and she was sliding forward under it, all to get at me. I arched my back, crab-like, and was briefly reminded I should have stretched since my stupid Jedi sister was going to make me work for it today. My hands touched the ground just as a lightsaber flew over me. I flipped myself over, whipped my blaster up, and I'll be damned if Zarin wasn't right there to kick it out of my hand, then jam her fist into my chest. It was a solid strike, with way too much power behind it because it hurt worse than a rat ghoul bite and sent me crashing through an old transit waiting booth. I saw her walking towards me through my cursing, broken glass, and more pain than I'd felt in a while. She called her lightsaber into her hand and kept coming with that calm, warrior-like determination. 
I rolled up to my feet just as Akavi slammed the Suzanne. That was something fun to watch. Akavi's graceful, deadly motions with her Viper staff, crashing Suzanne's lightsaber. Come to think of it, it was usually a treat to watch a Mandalorian fight a Jedi. I realized too as I watched them, slowly taking aim at Zarin, that my sister had gotten stronger. A lot stronger. Akavi was barely breaking her defenses. In fact, Zarin had just backed Akavi up a step. Two. Huh. I took easy aim at my sister. Shame I couldn't kill her but I could make her work for it. So I pulled the trigger rapid fire. I'll admit, even I was impressed when she timed the next strike so perfectly that she jammed through Akavi's block, grabbed Akavi's arm, and flung the Mandalorian right in my direction, giving herself the perfect shield. Zarin even put her hand up, adding force to the fling. My blaster fire struck Akavi in the back as her rather large form hurled towards me. It would bruise like a bitch, but I wouldn't kill her. Her landing would hurt too, but I needed to take my shots when I could. So I ducked Akavi, letting her crash to the ground a few feet behind me. And I kept squeezing the trigger at Zarin, nice and fast, backing up as I did so. Zarin deflected my blast of fire off her lightsaber, and I grabbed a grenade from my belt with my free hand, yanked the pen, and tossed it at her. She looked up, and a fracking bomb stopped midair. Ichuta! I focused on it too, and now we were both force pushing against a damn ball. Time to put some distance between us. I lifted my gun and fired at it. The resulting explosion knocked us both backwards, which was just what I wanted. I didn't bother to cushion my landing. Instead, I focused on the section of archway weakened by the blast. I fired at the support beam and it toppled, closing off the corridor and putting a nice barrier between me and Zarin. I propped myself up on one scraped-up elbow, wincing at all the aches and pains I was now feeling. I grabbed my calm and hit up Baldar. The Wookiee howled at me. All good news. He'd let M14X into a fight with the Gisticars and escaped into the ensuing chaos. Veltana was on her ship and headed to Drummond Kos. Everything had gone as planned. Sort of. Perfect. I turned off the connection and rolled onto my stomach, pushing myself up to my feet with a groan. I stumbled over to Akavi, who was finally coming around, and offered my hand. <sighs> Come on. They both live? Yeah, but we can't always have everything. I slowly climbed to my feet, staring at the pile of steel and stone in front of mine. I sheathed my lightsaber placing it back on my utility belt and removed my comm. T7, report. I know you are. Stay with her. I have a meeting with the Jedi Council. Chapter 34. Connections broken and reforged. Ilum, Republic Base Havoc Squad Command Post. I stood in front of the Hala Terminal. Eric and Zarin stood there, and I was looking at Jorgen with no small amount of relief. I'm not happy about it, but Master Jedi Zarin saved my life. Glad you backed him up, Zarin. But I don't understand why. Reed isn't as sloppy as you think she is. I had an instinct, and the Force guided me. 
I got there just in time. I've told the Jedi Council everything. They were less than thrilled. I kept my relation to Darth Vera as a secret, but I've earned their trust. I've been ordered to Corellia first. In the meantime, we're doing reconnaissance on Reed. How? I'd prefer not to say. Are you purposefully keeping me out of the loop on this? Your emotions are clouding your judgment. It's better if you let me take point in regards to Darth Vera's. How dare you? Your council has no authority over- General Garza does. I'm sure she'll contact you shortly. Damn it, Zarin, don't do this! Darth Vera's deserves punishment, Makethia. She'll get it, but fairly. Regardless of what she's done. We are not the Sith. See you on Corellia, Commander. Zarin closed the connection. I stood still as a statue for several heartbeats, trying to rein in my temper so my cooler thought process could prevail. Having Zarin's resources looking for Larissa too was a good thing. The net had been cast wider. All I needed now was to make sure I had access to it as well. Orders be damned. I set my hands behind my back, pacing. How could I get that information? How? How? My steps halted and I smiled. I turned back to my hollow terminal, hitting buttons. The image of Jedi Knight Kira Carson appeared. Hello, Kira. Four months later. When the planet Debrillian came into view, there was one thing on my mind. Not my victory over Tormund, or the fact that the former Supreme Chancellor of the Republic was on my ship willingly. I wanted to see Mako. The last four months had been one of the hardest hunts I'd ever been on. I knew I was better for it, though. Stronger, too. I'd even picked up a new crew member. In the end, I'd caused enough trouble for the Republic on Corellia to lure Battlemaster Jeros planetside. Coming face to face with an enemy was a powerful moment for a warrior. Driving that punk's own lightsaber through his heart had been a triumph, too. Mako would have even approved. It had been just me and Jeros in a hard-earned fight. After I killed Jeros and made my way to report my success to Darth Tormund, I'd realized that Mako would have approved of a lot of the moves I'd made in my quest. Sure, my temper had run pretty hot, and I'd probably put a few more people in the ground than expressively deserved it, but staring darkness in the face, I kept seeing someone else's. It was weird having a conscience that wasn't even there. Killing Darth Tormund had been one of the most intense fights I'd ever been in. I needed a few Colto packs afterwards, and it had taken me the two-day trip to Debrillion to recover, but I'd won. And nothing had been sweeter than calling up the rage I'd felt the day Tormund attacked Mako to activate my minimal force abilities, just enough that I'd force choke the last bit of life right out of his arrogant ass. Supreme Chancellor Janaris was a decent guy. I had a lot of respect for men who could admit to a mistake. Janaris cleared my name completely, all charges dropped. The whole mess and Jairus's abuse of power had cost Janaris his career, but I knew he wasn't going to stay out of work for long. That's the reason I'd brought him with me. When my ship touched down in the spaceport, Vancito, Quinn, Queen Drayan, and my mother were waiting. I wanted to punch Quinn at the sight of him, but I'd have to wait to get him back for what he'd done to my mother. Now wasn't the time. I limped off the ship. Knee was still a little sore, and Janaris followed behind me. Queen Drayan, Lord Virus, may I present the former Supreme Chancellor Janaris. A lot of formal greeting type crap ensued. During it, my mother stole one glance in my direction, and I both felt and saw how proud she was. 
It might have been stupid how much it still meant to me to know she was proud, but whatever. I smiled back at her and got out of the way as she, Risha, and Quinn took the Chancellor off for meetings and the like. Once they were gone, I embraced my brother. Best bounty hunter in the galaxy, your brother. Yeah, you're going to hear that a lot. All the way to you showing me where the frack my quarters are. I clasped my brother on the shoulder and let him lead. We had some catching up to do anyway. There was something to be said for having a guest room in a royal palace. Galt would have been drooling all over himself. I had a medroid come up and give me another shot of Colto. Picked out a swaggerific outfit to track my woman down in and got into the shower. I'd just gotten out when I heard the door to my room open and close. I knotted the towel around my waist, pulled the blaster off the sink, and was about to walk out when I realized Mako was standing there. My first instinct? Grab her. Grab her and chain her to me and promise to never act like that again. I set my blaster down. In the face of that intense, unreadable expression she was giving me, the planned out speech I had going through my head was nowhere to be found. Mako? Shut up! Just shut up about it already! Don't ever leave me again! I won't. I swear it. I don't care if whatever you're doing gives me nightmares or I'm a weakness or whatever. One, I'm a big girl. I can take it. Two, if someone is watching your back, it's going to be me. My chest was tight and all I wanted to do was hug her and kiss her and tell her my mouth opened and this is what tumbled out. I love you. You mean it? Frack yeah, I meant it. And I knew just how to prove it. I closed the distance between us crowding her like I hadn't done in way too long. Marry me. I know it's fast. I know we've got work to do. I don't care. Just do it. Marry me because there's not another bounty hunter in the galaxy that loves you like I do. She left me in well-deserved agony, waiting for her answer, searching her face, looking for some signs of a yes. Finally, after five never-ending fracking seconds, she cracked a smile. Her eyes softened. When you say it like that, how can a girl refuse? Really? Yes, really. And damn it, Koro, if you don't touch me, I'm going to say no- Before she could finish, I had her mouth under mine and was pulling off her clothes so I could touch her skin to remind myself how soft she was. She grabbed my towel just as impatiently. Then she grabbed me with a gentler, more sensual touch that made me feel like I was going to lose it if she stroked her hand like that one more. With a little growl, I grabbed her hands locked them safely around my neck, and picked her up. She wrapped her legs around my waist and started arching against me, panting into my neck, dotting it with open mouth kisses, sucking at my skin, and driving me crazy. Slow later. I want you. Now. Please. Really? How can a guy say no to that? I carried her out of the bathroom, screw my knee, and I had every intention of making it to the bed. It was big and it wasn't far, I'm not sure why we never made it, only that we were on the floor and I was swallowing her moans in my mouth and pushing into her. I rolled, let her be on top and sat up, cupping her breast in my big hand and pushed it up to my waiting mouth, rubbing my teeth across her nipple in the way I knew she liked. I was rewarded with her shudder, with a faster, harder push of her hips into mine. Koro. I loved it when she said my name like that. Loved it more when I could feel how close she was and her timing was perfect because I wanted her so much, I felt like I was in real danger of this session ending prematurely. I lifted my head and kissed the arched column of her throat. She buried her fingers in my hair and tugged, pulling my head back just enough so she could look down at me. 
I love you. Best day ever. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Legacy. Please remember to subscribe, drop us a review, and share this story with your friends. I also encourage you to come hang out with us. We've got a Discord server and soon we'll have a Facebook group. To join the Discord, click the link down in the description or go to dsc.gg backslash crystalsimagination. You can also join us Tuesday evening, 7 Eastern, 6 Central for the Legacy After Show, where I talk with the cast about the episodes and related topics. We do those on Twitch, twitch.tv backslash crystalsimagination, or just click the link down in the description. Episode 10 features voice performances by Tara, Delvin Cox, Bunbarian, Melissa Oki, Race Decanus, Crystal Storm, Bree, Guama Hairstanel, Hannah Cardiac, and Jake Riker. Sound work done by Hannah Cardiac and Crystal Storm. To view the full cast list, get your PDF copy of Legacy, and learn more about Crystal's sci-fi novels and other upcoming fiction podcasts, go to crystalsimagination.com. Legacy's theme song is composed by Daniel Cherlitza, titled Star Wars Dark Side Themes Reimagined. Additional amazing music tracks contributed to this episode, so please read the description for full credits and links to each track. Legacy is a work of fan fiction created inside the Star Wars The Old Republic universe. It is written, directed, and produced by Crystal Storm. The Daklin family are original characters created by Crystal. A big thank you to BioWare, LucasArts, and Disney for providing such a rich world to create it. <laughs>